0: Good morning, good morning, RCC family. Good morning to everyone in the room. Good morning to everyone that's watching live stream. We are so happy that you're here with us this morning. If you are new or it's your first time tuning in, we would love to know where you're from, so drop your name in the comment section below and we will give you a proper welcome. So for our announcements this morning, I have a couple of save the dates. Our very first one, November 1st, is going to be our Church in the Park. We know that many of you have felt more comfortable being outside, and so this is a great opportunity for you to engage in corporate worship, but outside, socially distanced. So that's going to be November the 1st, it'll be a Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For those of you who still don't feel comfortable, we'll have a service provided for you and you'll be able to tune in that way. And then on November 1st, later on that evening, from 6 to 7.30, we're going to have an event called Face Down. It's going to be a night of prayer and worship. It'll be intercessory prayer for our nation. So if you have that on your heart to be just in an atmosphere of worship and praise, come to that. Again, that'll be at 6 o'clock. And then on November the 7th, we're going to do our RCC night. You know we do these about once a month. They are always so fun. We'll have some type of food truck lots of games, come and bring your family, it'll be a really great time just to bond with your community. And then November 21st, the 3rd and the 1st and 3rd Saturday of every month from 10 to 2, we're going to do a holiday market. So, if you've loved farmers markets in this season, this is going to be another great way for you to jump in. If you are an artisan or a vendor and you'd like to get involved, contact Shannon at rivercitysmarna.com and she'll get you more information. And then finally, today we're gonna have a nice, wonderful communion. So if you look around your chairs, you'll see that there's a little communion packet for you. We'll say that to the very end. And if you're watching at home, we would love to invite you to do communion with us. So if you could get juice or a piece of bread or whatever it is that you wanna use for your sacraments, we'll do that at the end of the service. Now for our lectionary passage, it's gonna be Psalms one this morning. And it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that in the wind drives away, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so God, we just thank you that you are a God of kindness and of justice. And Lord, as we interact with you in this service, we just pray for a spirit of humility spirit of openness and curiosity. God, you were here this morning before we even showed up and you have something to say to us and you are so excited to be in our presence and so, Lord, we just meet you. We meet you wholeheartedly. We put down our burdens and our anxieties and all of the things that we walked in with. And Lord, in exchange, you give us peace and joy and fulfillment and we just thank you that you are the kind of God that does so. So this morning I pray a special blessing over everyone in this room, over everyone tuning in this morning. Lord, just meet them where they are. Bring them to peace and joy. And in your Holy Sunday we pray. Amen. If you'll join me for prayers
1: with the people. For the Universal Church, its members, and its mission We pray for the Laos Christians who are forced to flee their home, for refusing to denounce their faith, who are living in trees and hunts with no promise or guarantee of protection or food, and they are fearing for their lives. God, would you send your angels of protection to surround them? Would you intervene in their midst, God? Would your presence be so tangible and so near to them? Deliver them from darkness and from persecution. May they know your light and your love, that you are for them and that you are faithful and sovereign and true. Cover them with your presence. We pray for the church globally right now. And we declare that our, our promise and our hope is in no person, no friend, no even church, but our, our corporate gathering is to exalt your name and your name alone, and our hope is anchored in your name alone. God, would we be the model of how to love one each other well? Would we be the model of how we serve one another well? Infuse us with a heart of compassion and generosity and love for the other. May we be a light in the midst of the darkness. Lord, hear our prayer.
2: Oh, and you hear us calling, you hear us calling, Father. Come on, I know you know it. You hear us calling You hear us calling Abba, Father
1: We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for the nearly 270 million that are on the brink of starvation around the world. God, would we not turn a blind eye from those who are needy and poor and hungry, but would you create a space for the church to insert themselves in one of the greatest global needs? And would we find a way to be your hands and your feet? Maybe we be willing to give the shirt off of our back, the food from our pantry to the other. May we care for the least of these as you cared for the least of these while you were on earth. We pray for policy change. We pray for for food pantries to be in abundance. May we partner intentionally with those. We pray for the protests in Nigeria, for the anti-police brutality that they are experiencing, the fear that is ravishing their homes and their families. God, would you bring a peace that is is only going to come through restoration and reconciliation of that government? Would wrong be turned to right? Would justice come forth? May their voices be heard.
2: Lord, hear our prayer. Oh, and you hear us calling, you hear us calling. Abba, Father. Yeah, I know you hear us, you hear us calling.
1: We pray for the welfare of Smyrna in Cobb County. We pray as they're trying to open a family justice center for abuse survivors. God, we pray that there would be favor and that they would receive every open door necessary, that that would be able to be a safe refuge a safe haven for those who are trying to survive and get out of such, such terror and strife. We pray for favor, open doors for them to the community that they would have every resource available that they need to flourish. We pray for the teachers and students as they're going back to school and the tension and the stress. May they not lose heart good yes, God. may they not lose hope that what they're doing matters may we encourage them and spur their on would you would you grant our students and our youth across the nation an extra amount of grace towards each other and towards themselves would your presence invade our schools Oh, how desperately do we need your presence to invade our schools. and all those who are suffering in it. We pray for Sarah's friend who is dying of cancer. God, I pray that you would be with her friend, that you would send a people to surround her, that you would take away pain and her suffering. Allow her body to come into a place of surrender and rest in a way that makes her fully available to be enveloped in your love. That she would know you if she doesn't already know you. And if she knows you, may she know you more deeply and more fully. Be with those who love her, that are impacted by her suffering and will be impacted by her coming loss. God, would you comfort them? And may we remember that this is not the end of the story.
3: Yes, God.
1: The death does not get the final say. We pray for Aunt Tramika's family as they are grieving the loss unexpectedly of her brother. May we as a community surround them and lift them up. Would we as a community come around them and not forget next week when it's off our radar, but would we be with them on this journey, this new normal that they're gonna be finding? May they know and feel are catching every tear that they are that they're going to cry and that you are a safe place for their anger and their questions to land and that you will hold them you are holding them we pray for every person in this community who is suffering in silence or in quiet may they know You love them, and that you are for them, and that they are not alone. That you are the light of this world, and you desire to bring light into their darkness. That we would play our role in being light bearers in the darkest of places. Lord, hear our prayer.
2: Oh, you hear us calling. You hear us calling, Abba, Father Yeah, I know you hear us You hear us calling, you hear us calling, Abba, Father together as a family today. You hear us. Oh, and you hear us calling, you hear us calling, i father. Yes, I know you hear us. You hear us calling,
3: you hear us calling, i father. So I'm going to do a quick offering today, um, I have an update with that that I want to give you, and then we'll do our offering prayer together. Um, The long and short of where we are, we want to give you kind of a quick update financially. This year's actually been one of our best years in terms of people buying in to give, and I just want to say I didn't see that coming, and thank you. Um, It's been pretty awesome to be able to rely on that, even though our trust is in God, The last two months we've had, definitely had down months, and we don't necessarily know why that is. Um, Our trust is still in God. I'm really not stressed about it, but I just wanted to throw a couple things your way in relation to that. One, if you have been consistently giving, thank you so much. It is so helpful to be able to navigate. If you are in a spot where COVID and this year has harmed you financially in a way that you need help, we would like to help. I don't, I don't understand why, but over the last few months, no one's really desired or reached out for, and we've actually had people giving towards doing this. And so if that's you, and you're in a spot where you just need help, we would like to partner with you and help. If you're brand new to our church, which in 2020, it seems like there have been new people, it's figuring out if this is the place for you, it's not, it's not time for you to give, if that makes sense. If you're a guest, we're not asking you to give. If you are a part of the church, and you can give or are receiving finances, we would like it if you would jump in and start giving and helping carry the weight with us. Is that too strong for you to hear? Is everybody happy? That's just the reality, I think, as a family. I'm gonna be actually preaching through how Jesus calls us to be a family, and a small part of it is our finances, but it's our lives together. And so as we pray today, this has been a crazy year, right? Like, this has been a legitimately... Crazy year that God has given us the opportunity to trust Him more. I trust Him more now than I did, right? Like hindsight's 2020? Anybody? No? Cool. Dad jokes? Hashtag. I really feel like it is a year for us to kind of look in though. And for me, it's been a year where I've been able to look deeper than beneath the skin of how we kind of consistently run through the rituals of Christianity. And it's helped us to see what is driving our engine personally and as a church. And it's a good opportunity, right? I I see this thing happening within the body where people are falling in love with Jesus and wanting to go after Jesus. I love that. So as we pray our offering prayer today, keep in mind that God has already blessed us, He is already with us, and that He has put this church here to bless this city. And so, Let's jump in together. And as we pray this prayer, I love that we pray this together and you can read with me. It's our opportunity to unify. And so I'll start in one, two, three. Lord of all we see and all we cannot see, give us this day a glimpse of the complexities of the world and the simplicity of our lives centered in you. Loving you with all our heart, soul and mind and loving our neighbors well. Bless the gifts we offer you, but in our giving, help us focus on those other, more basic gifts. May the love we show you and others be a testimony of whom we follow and who is worthy of our devotion. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. You can give online or in the back. We have two buckets. You can place it in as you, as you leave today. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to jump into what I feel like God is... God, for our body today. So Father, I just, I thank you for the text. I thank you for scripture. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that we don't have to create our own set of things to make you desirable, but you've, you've come to us in the living word that we interact with, God. That these epistles, these holy epistles are, are not just a trinket to add to our lives, but this is our interaction with you, spirit, word, flesh, community, It's not only a book that we read, but it's the book that reads us. It's living. It's not just a set of instructions. It's not just the basic instructions before leaving earth. It's an interaction with you every time we open it. So today as we talk through a couple of texts, help them to jump out and come to life and help them to read us in the way that we have to throw ourselves at your feet and say, I need you to show me. What does this mean and how do I live it? And we thank you for these opportunities today. In Jesus' name, amen. So really quickly, at home and here, we've been talking through our pots, which is prayers of the season. It's up on the screen. These are a couple times of year we come together, we seek God, and we ask, what are you leading us towards? And they're kind of an open space of prayer that gives us things to go after that we need him to lead us into. It's the idea of him continuing to shepherd us, but the first two that we've talked through, we've been preaching through the last three weeks. And that is spiritual formation as a path. And for some of you who are triggered by the, the phrasing spiritual formation, and I know that that's the case because you've talked to me and told me that you were triggered by the phrase spiritual formation, you could also say discipleship. You could say practicing the way. You could say apprenticeship to Jesus. It's the idea of where we grow and how we grow in Him. It's, it's the spiritual disciplines that many of you practice, worship, prayer, scripture. It's seeking God. It's being away alone. It's meditation. It's these spaces that not because of the spaces, but because it creates a space for us to be with the Father through Jesus that we grow. Spiritual formation. So we've asked, how do we do that? We all know we want to grow. What does it look like to step in? The first week we talked about how Jesus always tapped into the desires of the people he was approaching. He would ask questions like, what is it that you want me to do for you? Or what would you like? And people would say, I'd like to be healed. Or They'd say something, and he would use that interaction, their desire, to lead them deeper into his heart. Most of them found out that their desires weren't truly cleansed or of him, but that was part of his process. So, second week, we talked about how spiritual formation or discipleship finds its home in community, that you can't grow in Christ outside of community. I know that we've been taught. I know that we've been taught that we can do this all on our own. It is impossible. That's why as soon as Christ asked people to follow, they were instantly in community. He did not separate them and do each alone. He brought them along, and in that space, spiritual formation discipleship found its home. Last week, we talked about our idols as Americans, and one of the main ones we have to hit as we step into this is individualism. This is something that was brought on by enlightenment, brought on by a lot of things that has turned us into consumers primarily and makes us throw ourselves to the forefront of every group we're in. And this is not something that we can separate ourselves from because it's part of our culture. We typically think, what can I get from this place? And we definitely do that to churches. We do it to our own families, we do it to our friendships. What am I getting out of this? I'll speak more about that in a second. So if 2020 has given us a spot to view ourselves inward, to ask questions like, what is God leading the church and me to? I guess my question is, what are we, what are we doing about it, right? What I don't desire is going back to what it was in January. I don't desire that you do that either, right? What, what gift has God given us to help us to look inward and be like, all right, I really would like to grow and I really would like to follow you, Jesus, and be a, someone who practices the way and apprentice to you. What does that look like? This is the opportunity 2020 has given us. And so for me, it makes me excited, right? It makes me excited to think that God would bring your hearts to life, collectively and individual, and that we can see something we haven't seen before, but also things we have seen. It's not just the new, right? Jesus has been with us through the centuries. We don't just rewrite everything and it's like, now we're the generation that's gonna do it all right. We've been given many gifts, the gathering, right? The scriptures, learning how to prayer, Many of our families have taught us things. We don't wanna remove every, we don't wanna burn down the house with everything in it. There's been many good gifts given to us by our ancestors, by the people within the churches. We've learned some things, but. So, I'm gonna wrap this up and then lead you into. We've heard community is massively important. We all have our ideas of what community looks like. Each of us throws our desires into community, but what does Jesus say community looks like? And I'm here to say today, as I read these scriptures emphatically, he says that the family of God is a family. And that was redundant, but you get what I'm saying. The body of Christ is a family. So what does a family look like? And that's what today is about. I'm gonna read you a passage that has some confusing language, then I'm gonna jump into explaining it because I assure you the first part will be We'll take, your inf- we'll take your focus from the family portion to this part, but it's okay. So I'm gonna read you Matthew 12, 43 through 50. You can open up if you have your Bibles. If not, you can follow along on the screens or at home. It says this, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, so everybody's already just like amen to this. Can I get an amen? It passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. Horrifying teenage years are like going through my mind right now. (laughs) And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. Amen while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother, and so this is kind of a, a, a massive shift in this text. He's saying that, and I'm sure they're like, whoa, what? wait, what? And then, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And not only has he confused them with the first thing about the evil spirits, now he's basically told his family these people are more important. So this is a confused group of disciples, learning from Jesus all the the things that he has to speak about family. So I wanna give you a little bit of backdrop on this first portion. So yes, for me, when I heard this growing up, this scripture was horrifying because it was attached to something that I needed to separate from, typically a sin as teenagers struggle with, but knowing I had no strength in myself to accomplish whatever it meant to release myself from sin. So for me, when I heard this scripture, I was like, there's definitely seven coming back. Like I might get rid of it for like a week, but when they come back, they're coming back with their friends. It's over. Like horrifying, so there's something happening in this text that you need to know. He's speaking to Israel, and for the 200 years prior to this, they had been trying to reform the temple. And so this is a very specific text about exorcism, which is a triggering and hard thing to listen to, but he's speaking to a generation of Israelites, just a little, just a little bit of their history. So 200 years before, the king of Assyria entered and turned their temple into a pagan shrine. And then Judas Maccabeus, a few years later, beat them, cleansed the temple, and established a new royal house for about 100 years. But Israel remained sinful and not committed to God. Next, the Pharisees came in, which we've all heard about the Pharisees. They come in and they decide that we need to be masters of the Torah. And they decide to search the land for any paganism and relieve the land of paganism and master the Torah. Next comes the Essenes. And they are even stricter than the Pharisees, but they've added their own rules. But you need to follow them to get there. What they found out through all of it is that none of this actually placed anything back within the temple. And so right before Jesus comes, Herod comes in, and he decides maybe it's because the temple isn't majestic enough. So he rebuilds the temple. The temple is now one of the most beautiful buildings in the world, and the thought is, Yahweh has not been present, but if we make this temple this beautiful, maybe he will return. Jesus is speaking to this generation, looking for reform, but he's saying to them, you keep cleansing the house, but there's still nothing inhabiting the house. Just a cleansed temple is not the goal. Just a cleansed, sinless human is not the goal. There needs to be something living in this temple. So he's saying to them, yes, singularly think about this, right.'" but this is to a generation about the temple and who inhabits that place. What is driving the engine, right? Yes, you mastered the Torah. Yes, you made this place beautiful. Is anyone being drawn to the feet of God because of this? So for us, as we step in today, he says to them, this kind of interesting shift from this to family, which I think is for us today. So I'm gonna jump into this and you guys can follow along Our view of family, I think we have to talk about first. In in America, in our homes, we all place upon the body of Christ and we we carry with us the residual effects of our family. All of us have ideas, hurts, wounded places, things that we desire. All of us carry things about our, our family and most of the things that affect our entire lives come from what happened in those spaces as we're growing up. For Christ, the dominant idea in scripture about the body of Christ was family. He actually uses the word father 342 times in the New Testament. So if you were to say yes to Jesus, I will follow you. To say yes to the father means that you instantly have brothers and sisters. So the invitation in, like we've said the first three weeks, is not just that you say yes to follow Jesus, but you're saying yes to then anyone who's following Jesus as well. This was a radical statement coming from Jesus. This was something that he also modeled, though. He modeled Trinitarian love through the scriptures. So I'm gonna read you these passages. You can just follow Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the three, the Trinity is listed there. You can go to the next one. The grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The three. So you can go to the next one. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring your, to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So, Jesus is a family desiring to make a family. Jesus is a family desiring to make a family. So, when he enters into what we're doing and he's talking to them here, he's saying to them, This house that you have cleansed for centuries this house that we're trying to cleanse and reform, it has to have an inhabitant, and the inhabitant will be the father. Or things like violence, like the church throughout the generations, things like violence and greed and selfishness and individualism will start to run its way and it'll wreck everything and it'll need to be cleansed again. And so he's basically saying to them, a long-lasting relationship with the father in this community, this is what's been missing. Right? These ideals, we place upon it for centuries. Jesus comes in, and so there's a couple things that I wanna share with you last week, and I knew I had so much in this message it was gonna feel like concentrate, but that's okay. But last week I talked about weak group culture and strong group culture. So a strong group culture is the kind of culture that Jesus was a part of. A strong group culture or collectivist is a person perceives him or herself to be a member of a group and responsible to the group for his or her anchors or actions, destiny, career, development, and life in general. The individual person is embedded in the group and is free to do what he or she feels and believes is right only in accord with the group norms and only if the actions are in the group's best interest. The group has priority over the individual, and yes, that's hard to hear because we don't live in that kind of culture, and that feels a little bit harsh. This is the kind of culture that was present for Jesus, right? These kind of cultures still exist today. We talked about this last week. They're all over the place. Western culture is not one, but many of the other places on earth still operate like this. The weak group culture, which is what we are, individualist. Person believes the individual has priority over the group. One's wants and desires are more important than whatever group he or she identifies with. And I have been wrestling with this all week, personally, with staff, Sarah and I had an almost fight yesterday about it, I don't even know like, how we got into a fight, probably because we're both individuals trying to win a fight, but I, have, I, I started to think, like as we planted this church, we had a desire for a community to be what God wanted it to be, but we, what we kind of presented was, come be the individuals God created you to be. So what churches do a lot is we try and present what people want, you can see it in slogans, you can see it in how people promote their churches. We're gonna give you what you desire if you come here. I saw it yesterday. A person's church said, we're so different than all the other churches and that's what we wanted to be. Why? Why do we have to be so different from everyone? So we've had arguments this week. I talked to Kara about there's, there's other societies that aren't weak group cultures that famous people can't come out of those cultures. Like if you think about some of the cultures, African cultures, Indian cultures, famous people don't shoot through the ranks because that, would be, that wouldn't be a norm. But in America, famous people are everywhere. Western culture produces a pathway to being better than others. In other cultures, that wouldn't even happen. Even Paul, as he stood before the disciples said, I'm the least of all, right? Even someone who knew they had a chance in that kind of culture would say, no, 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 no. That's so interesting to me. That's a whole other talk for another day. We're gonna move on. So, this kind of discussion got Jesus killed. You can pull up Matthew, 13, Mark eleven, seventeen, 17. And he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nation, but you have made it a den of robbers. So this conversation, I'm gonna lead you into two things really quickly that I think will be so practical because I wanted to get so practical with you will help you see. If Jesus is telling the body of Christ to operate like a family, what does that look like? What does it look like to not just be present on a Sunday or listen to a teaching online and be more involved in this body? It looks like a family. A family lives together. So like I said last week, we're all gonna, we're gonna lock the doors. There's sleeping bags in the back. We're gonna gonna move in together. It's gonna be beautiful. It's terrible, right? Like, horrifying. That would never be something we would wanna do. But I wanna read you 10 characteristics of a family. And as I'm reading these, ask yourself if you within the body of Christ are practicing these. Number one, eat together. This is simple, but this, this is based around this being the center of everything, the bread of life. Jesus being the center is based around his disciples coming together daily. In Acts 2, it talks about they ate together daily. They gathered around tables daily. Many of our families don't eat together already outside of church. Many of our families don't practice just a meal together. I I know for many of you in this room that's not a part of how you grew up. Right? So the body of Christ is told to eat together as simply as that. Are we doing that? Spend time and do life together. Are we practicing the way of Jesus with people outside of just coming to this room? Show love and affection to each other. Practicing that. Not just we should be kind and affectionate, but are we practicing what it looks like for me to take preference for Justin over me and to show him I am I favor you, I love you, I I want to be near you, I want to honor you, are we practicing this? Hold each other accountable and everybody just checked out because we already know any community that requires accountability and commitment is in rapid decline. Another product of individualism is we do not want to be held accountable but we want to operate freely accountability. Think about your personal family. My kids, if we remove accountability from an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, and an almost 13-year-old, Sarah and I don't even live at the house anymore. Lathea is in our bedroom. Her friends are over all the time. We never have food. Accountability in families is a beautiful thing. It's what helps people grow and know this is probably not a good area for you to step into. You need to grow in this area. I have to sit and look at my kids' You know, my son plays on 11 sports teams. I said sports teams, makes me seem like I don't know what I'm talking about. Evidently, my mom told me last week, not only are there individualistic idols, but maybe gladiators are still idols. And I think I was like, that sounds awesome. And she was like, no, I think you're, you have a sports affinity. So she was calling me out. But I think it's true. Like, what if we removed any type of accountability from our personal families? Why have we thought in church that that should be the way. Why have we decided for you, for me to be a part of a body, it should just be you to be free in whatever you desire. It's impossible to grow. Our kids would never develop. I mean, it is an essential part of growing as a baby in Christ, as a baby in a house, to know these are boundaries that are going to harm me. I need to grow and learn this, right? Share resources. I, I don't know how to share this any more clearly, but, but even in your own family, like here, when we, come, when we come to church, if it is a big meal, everyone brings something to the table. We're not all freshmen in college where you just bring like a bag of chips. That's not like something that can sustain. You know, people, some people are making pies and some people are making roasts and some people aren't bringing anything and eating everything, right? Like we share resource. All of us, we share what we have with each other and those in needs, that's part of it. That's, that's something we don't want people to feel like they need to be pressed into, but it is a part of you growing, sharing resource. There's something of me invested in this. Actually, I was talking to our finance team this week and I was like, I'm gonna give a quick update, tell me what, tell me what to say, because I don't want to like, I have this thing with not wanting to harm people in their finances because culturally, churches are not supposed to talk about your money. And I just think it's a, an unhealthy relationship with money that we all have. But one of our finance team was like, tell them they vote for what they care about with their money. And I was like, that seems harsh. But where you spend your money, you're voting for what you care about. Look at your bank account. What you're spending the most money on is what you care about, typically always. So share resources. That was the hardest thing I'll say to you today. Number six, share responsibilities. This is huge. We in the Western culture have relied on superstar people on stages to carry the weight and it's not sustainable. The body of Christ is a collection of people and each of us are gifted differently and some of you are gifted in ways that serve this this way and some of you are gifted in ways that serve this way. It's not all about the Sunday thing. All of us, all of us have a role to play. All of us, and many of you in this room or at home, have played that superstar role for so long in other places. I don't know why we keep receiving people who need healing, but you've seen it's not sustainable. For people to do more than they should so that others don't have to, that's where burnout happens. But we desire it because we're taught through our culture to be the best you can be, and your calling has to do with you doing more than you can possibly do. Do your part. If we all do our part, we don't need superstars, right? I'm not a superstar. You're already kind of getting that because you're here or you'd be somewhere else. Bear each other's burdens. I can't, I mean, bearing each other's burdens. Do you know what that person cries about? Or for you, the household next to you, do you know where people's hearts break? This is a part of what the body of Christ is created for, for each of us to know when our brother and sister are in pain and to walk with them in it. Empath- empathy to understand and learn each other, make decisions together. This is huge, this is POTS. The reason we do POTS is because we're asking our body, what is it we need to be praying into? To release into destiny, as clear as that, as confusing as that sounds, to help people to see the way of God and how God will bless the the earth through them. And then the end, the one that you will hate the most is faithful to each other until death. Which is not even something we can say and not be like, no, I'm not staying at this church until I die. But this, was some, this is family. The, the way that family and friends are different is my sister who's back there will be my sister until the day I die. And I have tried as much as I can. Just kidding. That Good times, bad times, weird times. You know, she's going to be my sister until the day I die. That's the difference in your friends. It's like if you had to redo your wedding, for those of you who are married, how many of those people that were on stage with you would be there again? We, we talked about it the other day. It'd be like a whole new set of people, right? That's for most of us what our friendships, our family is for life. So when he's saying these things to them, he's saying to them, this is a radical teaching that you would be bought into this community in a way that looks less like acquaintances and more like I actually know what's going on in their heart and know how to walk with them. This is big. He wants us to operate like a family. In family, your highest highs and your lowest lows will happen. Your deepest hurts will probably come from this. Many of you have trauma from it. They've actually learned that much of the trauma that we experience in life comes from our family of origin. There's actually Many, many things that come from, but when people start to receive healing from the traumas, it's not, we, we have thought that the stigmas related to the traumas we face even in our own families, whether it's abuse or, or whatever ways that can surface, that when people step into healing, it's not because they've decided to separate, it's because there's a healthy relationship on the other side. And the people that move from trauma into healthy relationships have a much higher chance of healing from past hurts. And so when Jesus is inviting broken people who don't understand family into family, he's hoping that the body of Christ will look more like the blood of Christ, which is broader than even our bloodlines, the body of Christ, which is why he would say to his family standing outside asking for his attention, who are my mothers and brothers and sisters? But these here. Not because he despises his mom and dad, so don't use that as an excuse to be mean to them, but because it's a broader family that is more powerful than this family. It's a broader family than America. It's a broader family than just who lives in your household. It's a broader family than Western culture, which is why he says this is a house for all nations and you've turned it into a den of robbers. And nothing can hold this family together but Jesus and who Jesus is, so individualistic, Societies, weak group cultures, not even Jesus can hold that together. Jesus, not even he can hold a group of people who are bent on individualism together. America can't hold it together. Russia can't hold it together. A president can't hold it together. A pastor can't hold it together. Jesus is the only thing that can hold it together. The other-centered, life-giving, others-focused life giving others focused Love of God and it's in our midst. So our devotion to the inhabitant of our house, personally and collectively, if it's not Jesus, if it's a cause, if it's just a cause, it will not sustain. If it's just a nation, it will not sustain. If it's just a denomination, I just did that right there, it will not sustain. If it's a specific focus, under Christianity, even a gifting like my worshiping ability or my ability to teach the Bible, it will not sustain. Jesus is the only thing that can sustain the family of God, and He does it with all kinds of crazy people together. And I love that. So, I'm going to tell you about cycles of community and then I'm going to wrap up. I'm going a little long today. But Practicing the Way, which is a site I love, we're actually starting a group in a couple of weeks built around it, Growing in Christ. The church that this comes out of, Bridgetown Church, actually talks about the cycles of community. And this is something we all need to be very much aware of that we do. The first stage of this is the honeymoon. This is the, this is the time you go to that church and you're like, they, I mean, they met all my needs. You know, like it was just, it was perfect. And and I feel like excitement when I'm there, right? I finally like stepped away from the church that was harming me and now I'm in this space and I don't know anybody, but it's beautiful. like the worship is like i imagine when people step in here and hear our worship they're like okay this is legit and then they hear the preaching and they're like uh i think i can handle the preaching if the worship stays you know but the honeymoon is that part that you experience at first and then all of a sudden it's not that way anymore and then comes apathy and apathy is like all right i guess i'll i guess i'll go to church today you know um, I don't want to, but I'll go. Like apathy is like what we've all experienced in a community. It loses its flair. It's not exciting and new anymore, right? It's like the car you got. When you got it, you were like, this is the best car ever. And then a year later, you're like, I definitely need a new car. I've had this car for like a whole year. The next one is conflict surfaces. Number three, conflict surfaces is a gift. Not if conflict and harm is what is happening and that's the culture But this has to happen in healthy relationships and healthy families. This is also, number three, the place where most 80, 90% of people transition, whether it's friend group, a church, because in conflict you not only see the truth about others, they begin to see the truth about you. The ideal self fades, the truth about what's underneath, your brokenness surfaces and Nobody wants their brokenness to be brought around the table. We transition typically here. If we can fight for the relationships and continue to allow Christ to draw us together, you can get to acceptance. And in acceptance, you start to see, you know what? And Jason Hamill, if you're here, if you're not here, that was dumb to say, but I love the way that you talk in service sometimes. Sometimes I don't love it, just being honest. And you're probably not even listening, so that's okay. But when you first came to our family, this is where Sarah's like, she already left. So she'd be like, you should stop talking right now. But I'm gonna keep going. I did not enjoy it and it confused me. And I would wish that you would stop talking during service, it was not helpful. And then I got to know you and I got to sit around campfires with you. And then I got to see your brokenness and I wept with you in a group we led in here, Practicing the Way. The 12 disciplines over 12 weeks with 12 people is a little too much 12, but in that, I saw your heart, I saw that you talked about your woundedness and your desires, I saw the love of God, I actually saw Jesus in you. And so when I look at you now, I'm not annoyed at the person commenting at me in service, I'm endeared by it. I've accepted the differences and not only that, I have a stronger relationship with you than I feel like I ever could have if I couldn't have gotten past that and seen how beautiful God has created you. If we can get past the the conflict that surfaces in community, that's when the good stuff starts to happen. That's when the good stuff starts to happen. And then re-engagement happens. Then you start to say, you know what? This place isn't perfect and this community isn't perfect. Much like your family of origin, it's not perfect and you know that better than anybody. But if you can engage back in it, if you can spend time in it, it, there can be health. Health is not perfect. Health is just, here's how you talk when you're upset. Here's how I show up for Justin when he's hurt. Here's how they show up for me. Here's They need something where health can happen at that point. So today I wanted to do just a quick, kind of as practical as I could. If God is calling the body of Christ to be more like a family than just a place you go on Sundays, what is he asking for you to do in that space? What is he asking? Maybe for some of you, you're a part of like six churches. Choose one, online, choose one and and put your all in it. If it's not this one, bless you, go on your way, we love you, be a part in such a way that you can actually grow because true sustaining growth comes in long-term relationships and if you bail at every sign of something you don't like or appreciate, you will not grow. You will just restart somewhere else. It's the same in relationships. Relationships. Keep fighting, keep fighting for your marriages. Get past it, move forward. You'll grow if you do. Commit, step in. And that doesn't just look like coming here on a Sunday. That's not what this is about. This excitement for me in 2020 is about the body of Christ becoming something it hasn't been yet, while highlighting the things it has been. What if we did truly walk with one another in such a way that our hearts burn for Jesus when we gather because He's the center of our gatherings. Not what we hate, not a candidate, not whatever's gonna happen in the first week of November, but what if Jesus is what is at the center of our gatherings? What if we can speak into our political parties about what's broken about them without saying, we're all this or we're all that? What if that's not the center anymore? What if Jesus becomes the center? If He's the center, you're more self-giving, You're more open to being with people. You eat with people. You break bread with people. You listen to people. You're empathetic with people. So my goal in my heart for this week, before we go into next week, which we're gonna have an outside service, I'm a little timid and nervous about it, to be outside, you should all come. Invite your friends. I don't know if we're allowed to do it, just being honest. We tried. We tried to get approval, but anyway, that's a whole different thing. (laughs) We're just kind of figuring out if somebody comes up and says, you can't do this, we're gonna be like, all right, we'll go over here, we'll just travel. So my goal is this, if 2020 has done anything, it hasn't dampened what God wants to do, I believe it's brought a focal point on how he is training and raising up a body that looks different than building big buildings like Herod did or making sure we memorize all the scripture like the Pharisees did, or adding our own, this is what you have to do, like the Essenes did. Maybe if Jesus is at the center. I mean, think about the disciples. If he just was like, y'all come with me and go. How much dumb stuff are we now reading about them? Because everything they said to him was a challenge. No, don't do it that way. No, do it, don't do it that way. He needed to be in their midst, and their dependency was minute by minute or people were wanting the best seat, wanting to not stop and heal, wanting to not listen to that person, their way was always different than his way. There's no way to do this without Jesus at the center. There is no way to do it without your connection, my connection, corporate connection with Jesus. Doesn't matter if we've been trained by the best rabbis, doesn't matter if we came from the largest denomination, what matters is that is that Jesus at the center of what we're doing, and if He is, He will move, He will work, and His fruit will come. And so, I want to read you this um, scripture, and then we're going to take communion, and I'm going to let you guys go. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. And you want to go ahead and come up worship. I want you to just picture in your mind. As you take this, and we're not gonna use this one because it is what it is. I'm I'm gonna use this one. Yours are on your seats. But as we take and ingest, we all then have this, this bread within us. It's the only thing that will keep us together, keep us moving forward. It's the only thing that will provide for you and your family what is needed so it has to be the focus. And so with your eyes closed today, Jesus, I wanna confess for all the ways I've tried to make the community what I thought would be helpful. And some of my desires weren't, didn't feel evil or I just thought, you know what would be best if we did this church like this? Because that's what they need. But I'm, I'm just continuing to realize over and over and over again, it will always be you. You at the center, you are the truth, you are the way, you are the life. There is no replacement, there's no secondary thing, there's no sports that can stand in the way, there's no individualism, my needs being met that can stand in the way, there's no family focus that can stand in the way at home, there's no, there's nothing that can stand in this place and so just because of that, we all go low and we say we repent, we need you Jesus, we repent, we need you Jesus. We don't know what to do. We literally don't know what to do. Throughout the centuries, we fought each other. In your name, we did so many evil things, and we still do. We build large buildings because we think people will come. We become the sharpest and quickest because we think you'll approve. All the while, you're saying, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men and instantly we're a part of a family. And you say you set the lonely in families, God. Teach us how to be brothers and sisters and not just members. Teach us how to be brothers and sisters and how to have thick skin and how to love walk into Romans 12 and cry when people need to cry and celebrate when people need to celebrate. If anyone has needs, we meet it. Jesus, I just ask you for for this body. I I don't want to be timid about this. I want this to be a vibrant community of Christ followers who are not out trying to make people feel intimidated to accept you or Just because of the way that we embody who you are, people see a different way. Help us to not run from long-term relationships, God. Because Lord knows we, most of us, haven't been trained in how to do that. So help us when we see the wall that says, run from this, go isolate, to see your hand reaching over and, and drawing us into that space that you know is more beautiful, more plentiful, and more hopeful. Help us to be risky and brave into those spaces help us to open up to our brother and sister and help them to open up to us help us to reach out and say let's have coffee let's have dinner, help us to open up our homes safely in this season our back porches to connect with people help River City to be a family help River City to be a family you guys would stand with me, please. I'm gonna read you our Eucharist liturgy. If you're at home, you can grab something. If you're here, you have something on your seats. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for the many for forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. We can read this together. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. And you can look on the screen. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. You can take and eat and you can take and drink now. Christ is present among us. We know that to be true because the scriptures promise it. Lord God of our fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, open our eyes to see your hand at work in this world about us. Deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. Let the grace of this holy communion make us one body, one spirit in Christ, that we may worthily serve the world in your name. Risen Lord be known to us in the breaking of this bread. Accept these prayers and praises, Father, through Jesus Christ, our high priest, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit, your church gives honor, glory, and worship from generation to generation. Amen. Jesus, we thank you. Just take a few moments to be invited of whatever it is your rabbi, your Lord and Savior desires. We love you guys, people here, people at home. We're gonna put a couple resources online to maybe help you have some conversations. Hopefully, with two to three people, reach out to them. Community t- temperature check for you and your community. Are you being vulnerable? Post those here. Actually, Mariah created a sheet. You'll see it on the resource and on the way out. Um, Love to see you guys next week in the field next door, the green. Bring blanket, chair. We'll have some coffee there. Um, it'll be safe. It'll be outside. It'll be interesting. So I hope to see you there. God bless you all. See you soon.
1: Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at RiverCitySmyrna.com.